Good evening and welcome to uh, African Rhythms. Uh, my name is David Love Jones and we got a very special show tonight because basically we're going to overview the entire history of one of the biggest uh, local soul legends. His name's Jason Hoover and he moved here uh, from Edmonton, Alberta in uh, 1964. His first band, Jason Hoover and the Epics, the band that he joined, was uh, on uh, local TV and uh, put out the fantastic Live at the Groove Yard. And then uh, from then um, he went on to uh, Anvil Chorus some other funk and soul things Anvil Chorus being a funky soul and rock kind of a band so welcome to African Rhythms Jason Hoover hey David Love Jones <laughs> wow we got you up here we're about to unearth and uh, record and talk about some of the most important local soul history I mean our friend Bobby Taylor in Hong Kong we got him down but yes, uh, that was a great show but I think that was one of your best shows I just love it. I've heard it twice now you know it was just uh, you're too much this man let me tell you everybody stories about me tonight but the real story is David Love Jones he is from England and he has dropped in here and he has made and kept soul and disco and funk and R&B he has kept it alive in the city Thank you, Jason. Yeah, no, I mean, it means a lot to me, um, the soul music, but I mean, especially uh, being from Canada, I think particularly, and here in Vancouver, that, um, you know, the history here, the story just really hasn't been told and it's not being archived particularly well. But thanks to Rob at Neptune Records, um, he's helped us uh, put together. I managed to come up with some of your 45s that came out in the late 60s and early 70s. And then Rob came up with, in addition to some of the stuff we didn't have, he came up with uh, seven unreleased tracks. So we've got an incredible show ahead of us, Woo! my friend. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, yeah. it blows my mind. Yeah. This, this guy, 
David is too much. I love you, David. You come up with things that is blowing me away. I mean, part of my history coming back, I mean, it was like flashbacks. It's like being on uh, LSD and all of us in the flashback. She was gone. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it had to be told, uh, Jason. Now, we've got a friend of ours, David George, in the studio, and we're going to be talking to him a little bit later about his documenting local black culture that he's uh, putting together. That's going to be wonderful, man. Yeah. This is what we need in this area. Well, listen, my friend, let's start at the beginning. I mean, you moved here from Edmonton, Alberta in 64. Mm -hmm. There was a flourishing local uh, Vancouver soul and R&B scene. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Okay, let me tell you. I was going to school. I was finishing my grade 12 in uh, Edmonton and Bonnie Dune High School. I had a band called Jay, Jumpin' Jay and the Chantels, and we were the number one R&B group because we were the only one. <laughs> and Edmonton, everybody told me, hey, if you want to really do something with this music you're playing, you should go to Vancouver. Mm. So I kept getting this everywhere I went, and uh, not that they didn't like us, but they loved us. But they wanted me to go, cause they couldn't see happening for a long period there mm. we made history there uh, jumping jay and the chantels by being the first underage uh band to play in an adult uh cabaret mm. and the thing was that we could play but we could not come out front after we played our sets <laughs> we had to go into the in dressing room yeah. right but you know what we played oh what eight clubs all over Alberta. Because so you got a lot of experience, but then back in back in Alberta. Oh, Alberta was definitely my my starting point. You know, mm, yeah. we had a nice band. It wasn't the greatest band, but it was a nice band. Mm. But anyways, I jumped on a train with mm. my saxophone player, and we moved out here to Vancouver. Now I was into singing in the cabarets because it was all kind of cabarets and it was auditions every day. So I heard about this and I said, okay, fine. I went to, the first place was Smiling Buddha. Smiling right. Buddha went there, the man, oh, he loved how I was entertaining on the floor shows. He said I had lots of energy and everything. I was getting paid $50 and much food I want to eat, come and eat during the day, whatever, that was it. 50 back, bucks wasn't bad though. Back in those days, <laughs> $50 was great. I mean, a rooming house was, if you wanted to stay, a rooming house was $7, David. And, uh, 7 or $9, whichever one, you know, was the nicest. And that was cheap. Everything was cheap hmm. back in those days, you know. So $50 was fine. But I did ask him for a raise one day after about four weeks there, because I was th thinking of going to the New Delhi, because that's another club. And I said to Lashman, he says, uh, I said, listen, I need another another $25, you know, raise. He says, oh, Jason, I don't need you. I got real Johnson. I got Tony Hatters. I got Harry Walker. They all play for 50 and eat food. They know I don't go no food. Was no. this before the epics then? Oh, yeah, this is before I even yeah. went out for your audition with the epics. Yeah. The uh, funny thing was, though, the bass player had to, had, from the epics replaced one of the guys that couldn't play the show for a whole week mm. so he got he got hip to me and he yeah. says went back to his band and says we gotta hire this guy hi 
hope you like soul music, because that's what we're presenting today on Let's Go. I'm Jason Hoover. These are the Epics. So the, the, the original singer of the epics, uh, you replaced him? No, we sang together. Sang together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I went to see them, I was blown away. They were such a tight group. Yeah. This this group was something like out of, out of like Los Angeles. I mean, they had talent like up the yin-yang. I mean, every position was powerful. The keyboard player, the guitar player, and the bass player who actually discovered me down at Smiling Buddha, and the drummer who was the leader of the band. They were all professional, and it made the music easy, and they were it was so soulful. <laughs> And they were all white fellows. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm a black guy, and the lead singer is a black guy. And we're related to about, oh, third or fourth, you know. Well, I guess Bobby was the first uh, multi, uh, multi, if you, racial, if you will, uh, band. I mean, he was the first one before Sly Stone and whatever. Yeah, he, Bobby Bobby was the first, man. We all looked up to Bobby. We, we all, he was the man. He yeah. was, you know, that was it. To be like Bobby Taylor was, <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, Bobby, uh, for listeners who don't know, got signed to Motown, and he was around Vancouver uh, at that same time. In mm -hmm. fact, um, he may have actually written two of Michael Jackson's biggest tracks, and he was in touch with Michael Jackson until he died, actually. So that's uh, very another very interesting story. But, okay, so the epics, we're going to listen to a couple tracks from this record, Live at the Grooveyard. Yeah. So this is this is a couple of years in for you guys. Uh, oh, playing? man, I, I think... They, they, 67, it, right? 67, there you go. Yeah, so you guys have we're, been practicing for a while. We point. were so psyched up, it was like a football team. Yeah. Uh, we went out there at full speed, man. We had slowed down for nobody. It was like a good soccer game. And it wasn't really live, right? It, it wasn't really live, that's yeah. true. It was done out <laughs> of... Dispel the myth. It was done out of one of the best studios in town, which I yeah. forget right now, but I forget the guy's name. And I, he's a wonderful producer. I can't think of his name. We'll inform the listeners when we come back. All right, yeah. well, let's listen to It's Growing and uh, Knock on Wood. This is uh, live in Vancouver, 1967, at the Grooveyard. Go ahead with your bad self. Oh, man, oh. 
You are too much. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Jason Hoover and the Epics, incredibly, live in Vancouver in 1967. Like, it was too much. It was really a wonderful time, you know, a wonderful time, wonderful era. Uh, and during that time, it was one of my best times in in Vancouver, being Jason Hoover and the Epics. Uh, it was like a, it was like the launch, actually, that shot us into being um, one of the popular bands in the Northwest, not just here in Vancouver, but Seattle and, and uh, all the places in between. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, it was. it's neat at least that they got the album out. So just in terms of it, it started to get your name around. But really, when we get to the next phase, when we talk about one of your own singles, I think that that's when uh, things really progress. Oh, yes. But, you know... It was a situation where we were so happy to be on on a vinyl, uh, you know, on a record. That it was you're playing more of it. <laughs> Here, let me turn that down a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean this is uh, we're listening in the background to instrumental track, the the epics. Uh, what's this one called? Cleo's mood. Cleo's back. Yeah, yeah. Cleo's back. Yeah. Was that 
Junior Walker? Junior Walker, man, yeah. he was one of the greatest of all times. He's now the dearly departed, but that man has songs that I still would love to do on stage. I, I did a few of them. Mm. You know, you know, I, there's so many. Man, the man was a writer. He was, he was very entertaining. I seen him in Seattle. No, I saw him in Portland. Mm. He, he was really something else, man. Well, tell me about these other bands on here. I mean, I know the Nocturnals, they're kind of a garage rock Noc band. Nocturnals are like a legend, you know. Stags, they were there. But Solo Limited was another tough band that was always pushing us. Night Train Review.
mm-hmm. and myself. This the is all live at the Olympics. We were the big ones in this yeah. city, okay? Yeah, but, but it's uh, it, it's neat though. I mean, but where are these bands now? I mean, a lot of these are forgotten names, you know. Oh, I mean, the Nocturnals, Nocturnals are known, played, but a lot of the other bands we, are unknown. We, oh yeah, we played out at uh, the Boulevard uh, 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 Casino, mm. and we played it in uh, it's, oh, that fellow. What's his name? My brain's not working very much anymore. Anyways, he has a studio. And he has his club and lounge, and we played there. And I believe the Nocturnals played, and so did Solo Limited, and the Epics played with me, as well as the Night Train Review. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's I guess that's basically the Vancouver, and then Bobby Taylor, and you know that that was the Vancouver Soul scene back then. I mean, these were the bands, but, and you know, you became a part of the scene. We're going to listen to another track in a minute uh, from Live at the Grooveyard, the Turn Back the Hands of Time. Uh, that would be that was a good tune. Yeah, and, and uh, it was really wonderful to do. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Let's let's listen to that next. And your arranger on this stuff uh, ended up uh, writing for Motown. And that what was his name again? Uh, his name was Tom. Tom Baird. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much. Tom. Tom was the only white guy to ever work in Motown. Like you were doing now, working all the things. Yeah. He had a piano. They they got a piano. He was a songwriter for the Supremes, right? He, ended he up wrote with, yeah. for the Supremes, the the Four Tops. And this was after he was your arranger. Yeah. Yeah. And then he started this. No, no. He arranged a lot of groups. Yeah. A lot of their music, and it wasn't even. Show but he started out locally in Vancouver. Yeah, well, yeah. And then, then Bobby Taylor getting signed to Motown was he the one that helped get him the job there? I think Bobby helped him very much. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's listen to uh, "Turn Back the Hands of Time" next, and this is live at the Grooveyard, and this is Jason Hoover and the Epics, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM African Rhythms Radio. Get away. 
Indeed, live at the Grooveyard here in Vancouver back in 1967. And, you know, what's coming up next will be your first single on New Syndrome Records, which was a local label. Uh, tell me a little bit about New Syndrome. It, how did that all come about or who, who owned just, that label? Just hold on. Now, you're saying it was a local label. It was, a New Syndrome was a local label, but it was financed by Warner Brothers. Oh, I see. It was it had a major label back A major in, label. Warner yeah. Brothers wanted us to sign us, but these people wouldn't let them. We didn't know this till it was all over, but Warner Brothers wanted us to sign a contract and just do uh, Warner Brothers tunes. So, But the people that were handling, the people that we didn't, we were naive. The people that knew what was going on wanted to keep us, and they gave us studio time and told us, they gave us a studio and said, look, after midnight, you guys do anything you want to. Don't even talk to about. We don't care about the money. Just produce, write, record. Yeah, do, do it. Okay. So I this see. is our first attempt. And Jack Hershon and I went over to the studio. I forget the name of the studio, and we mixed this after we had played it. We went to Aragon Studios and tried it with less voted. Didn't work. Didn't come out. But uh, two weeks later, we had it down after rehearsing the tune because we knew we had something there. Yeah, I know. This is a great song, and it's got a really, it's got a really Atlantic Stacks Wilson Pickett kind of groove. That's down. where we were aiming. You know, yeah. Bobby was 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 was. Uh, Motown, we wanted to be stacks, you know, we wanted to be there. Wow, well, let's check it out. This is the debut single from uh, Jason Hoover. It's called King Size. Yes, 
Trials of Jason Hoover. Uh, before that, we heard the debut single King Size, oh, and uh, that certainly sounds like the late '60s psychedelia. Era. So King Size, it was a bit of a smash. It, it went over well, like it was a hit uh, in Toronto too, right? It was number one in Portland, Oregon, and they were the first to and jump. Prince on it. George. Yeah, Prince George is number one. You remember that too. But right across Canada, they had it. And we, we when we played New Brunswick and stuff, yeah. and I wasn't Jason Hoover in the Epics at the time, they had heard King Size. And it blew my mind because they didn't let us know. I'm talking the the guys. I'm going to mention their names because they're sitting up in uh, in the, in Government Hill or BC Hill or wherever it is, sitting pretty in their beautiful homes over in the West Vancouver. Yeah, and, and we're talking about Snow and Harding. That's all. I'll leave it. Okay, I'll just leave it like that. The last names are Snow and Harding, mm. and they uh, they. I mean. What were we thinking? We were in the studio anytime we wanted to. It didn't cost us. And then we got the tapes. And, uh, you know, those tapes were at that time were about 70 bucks, you know, for the big one, with the, you know, for the 16 track or 32 track. Mm. And we had the studio anytime we wanted it. If mm. it wasn't being used by somebody else, but we, that's what we started doing it in the midnight, you know. Right, you do it after the other musicians, like at Mushroom Studios. Um, you would. What was Mushroom called originally again? Aragon Studios. Aragon Studios. Yes. Yeah. So you would, if the artist was there till midnight, you'd go from midnight till 
10 a.m. or something. <laughs> oh, man, I told you one time we were mixing now, and I was finished until 1.30 in the afternoon. But you see, we had all that energy. We had all that. We wanted to make it big, man. We wanted to get up. That's all we cared about. We didn't. We we weren't using them. We knew we weren't using them because they promised that they're going to get us a record deal. Well, King Size, I mean, that seems to me like, I mean, it was enough of a hit and it was good enough that that should have warranted an album at that point. No. That's right. But yeah. then again, see, the fight was Warner Brothers wanted to do the album thing. Mm. They so kept, you have to sign away they, your rights, that's basically. Right. They yeah. kept them on, on, on the edge of, you know, and kept them away from what they wanted to do. See, the, if we went with them, they lost what their, already their plans were. Their plans were to go over, this is, we didn't know this at the time, mm. was to go over to Europe and uh, and sell the actual recording to other record companies. Right. Yeah. The actual recording. Though. Yeah. So they said, "Oh yeah, well, well we own it in Canada. Enough. You own it in Switzerland. You own it in France. Yeah. You own it in Belgium. You own it in Switzerland and yeah. you, and England." Okay. The corrupt music business, basically. It yeah. was heavy, but we knew nothing about the politics of it. So how soon did the trials of Jason Hoover, and then why did that name come about, and how soon later did uh, did the, the last song, We Were Happy, come out? Okay, We Were Happy came out right about oh, six months after after King Size had died. Oh, wow. Or so went, that, yeah. went down, right? But so, it's quite a bit of a different sound. You know? Oh, yeah. But it was brought up by a guy from from Warner Brothers who worked with Warner Brothers. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. Actually, he's famous for doing a couple of things, like, you know... He kind of uh, wanted songs, to get you... Songs for movies, like yeah. uh, 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 Miami Vice. I think he did. Yeah, he did Miami Vice. Okay. And he did another couple. But, you know, that's mm. the kind of guy. But he yeah. brought this up, and, he's, and he knew King Size. He'd heard it. Yeah. And he's close to to, to uh, my manager and good friend um, Hershorn, Jack Hershorn. Yeah. Now Jack was always promoting me, and he was a good salesman. He knew what he was doing. So this mm. guy came up with a song called "We Were Happy" that shot right across Canada and made it like an average of number four. Who came up with that? So the, this guy came up with the name Trials of Jason Hoover. Oh, who who came up with the name of Trials Jason Hoover was actually, I guess you would call him Jack Hershorn because yeah. we had a bus. I mean, our bus looked like a circus truck. It was purple. Mm. It had <laughs> it had a gavel on it, and it was in weight in yellow. Purple haze. On, yeah, <laughs> on, on on purple there was yellow Jason trials of Jason Hoover. Right. Wow. So uh, that was a short-lived name, though. I mean, it was only used for about a year. No. Yeah. Trials of Jason Hoover. Couple was, of years. Was was the first name before. Yeah. Anvil Chorus. Right. Yeah. Anvil Chorus came, they were the short... Well, first short the Epics, and first then the Trials epics, of Jason Hoover, and then yeah, Anvil Chorus. We broke up at the Surf Club, yeah. and and uh, it was sad, but the, but we wanted to go forward with songs like, you know, Sly and the Family Stone. We wanted to get up there with what was... All right. All right, yeah. so here's our words. Uh, you're listening to David Love Jones and uh, special guest Jason Hoover, soul and funk legend from Vancouver, Canada. Consequence when the feelings there to make the music. 
joy lies very close at hand. So place yours very close to mine. We'll find our place in all the time. Till then we'll love together. Till the end of time is near. Vancouver, soul, and funky rock, and psych rock, if you will. It's uh, local history, and that's Jason Hoover's next band uh, from 1970, Anvil Chorus. It's true. They put down Anvil Chorus. It was a rebelling thing from the band. They were tired of uh, the truck and me getting all the attention going through uh, Illinois and stuff. You know what I mean? It was, a, it was a trip, and I understand. I understand. So they wanted to have a group thing. They didn't want me to leave. They wanted to make sure I was there. But it didn't make any difference when the records we found out later that were shipped off to Europe and sold to different record companies right. there. They they had it featuring Jason Hoover, Anvil Chorus featuring yeah. Jason Hoover. So Am- Anvil uh, Chorus was only a band that you were in that was more leaning towards rock and soul, if you will. Rock, I would say they were leading to rock and blues. Yeah, rock and blues. But it was only, you were only together for three months, in, in fact. Three months the yeah. bands existed. Well, 
well, we've got some unreleased material as well that we're going to drop from that band. But I mean, tell me about this next track, Rhythm Is The Way. Okay, now Rhythm Is The Way is a song I wrote with Jimmy. We we had fun in our bus, the trials. We, we had lots of time. We had a table. We played cards on. We had beds. <laughs> we were set up. We were set up, and uh, we enjoyed. But we we did a lot of creating there. We we, we did a lot of creating. Right. Uh, so this, this is actually this is back. So this will be slightly before Ramble Chorus. Again, again, this was course. recorded. And remember. The name Anvil Chorus is put on stuff that Charles Jason Hoover, we always thought I was going to be there. Right. But by the band Rebellion, and I was such a soft touch, I said, fine. I am, you know, I'll go right on ahead, you know. Uh, you know, they said, well, you're our singer, you know. You're our front guy. I says, mm-hmm. all right, let's just do it, the records, man. So here we go with the song that I produced as well as wrote along with Jimmy. Well, you wrote, you wrote it. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. Yeah. And it was one of my uh, fun songs. It became a, a song that was in a French movie. We didn't know about that either. Wow. <laughs> all right, one, one last track. And uh, then after that, we're going to get back into some more stuff from uh, Anvil Chorus. But this is one, uh, one more track, Trials of Jason Hoover. Rhythm is the way.
incredible funk and soul. You could definitely hear a little bit of the Sly Stone influence there. What a track, Jason. What a track, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's uh, Jason Hoover here live on Africa Rhythms. Local Vancouver soul music history happening right here and right now. Wow, what a track. I'm just still so blown away every time I hear that track. Rhythm is the way. And that was 72, so Charles of Jason Hoover before and after your sort of semi-psych rock band, Anvil Chorus. Um, uh-huh. You carried on using the name, yeah. and that was uh, 72. That yeah. was for peacemaking, uh, so the band didn't feel inferior to me, or the fact that I might go out on my own. Mm. And it was sort of like getting a, getting a harness on me, and yet you know showing me love and yet we're all equal this is what it was all about wow that's a great insight yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well listen this uh, rust to dust i mean that oh rust to dust yeah. is a knockout yeah well i mean i mean but rhythm is the way you were saying um you opened for led zeppelin and, yes, and, yes, and yes, jimmy, yes. jimmy page liked that one they well. had heard this yeah you know okay. that, that's awesome they told me we did the show we opened for it's a soft machine and and led zeppelin before the white album before they were before Led Zeppelin one, yeah, okay. yeah. So it was kind or of around weird. that time. Anyway, they yeah. were hanging and having yeah. us hanging around with them. The Georgia Hotel. They told us that we really, they'd really appreciate our presence. Yeah, and then they liked it, they liked Rust to Dust as well. Oh, the next oh, song. We're doing. Oh yeah, then they liked Rhythm Is the Way. Those are the only two that we that they heard on the, the, the Pirate Station. Is it called in, yeah. in England? Yeah. Okay, but we went <laughs> they up there. heard it in England on a pirate. We England, went that's up so there. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Well, I mean, big up to the English for discovering undiscovered things. But Let me tell yeah, you, yeah. they were wonderful to us. Yeah. But you know, we played Sixty Minute Man, which be coming up later yeah. at, at the hotel for them and they went crazy and they wouldn't give him back my single they hung on to it man <laughs> <laughs> all right well listen uh, this next track uh, rusted us i mean you're going to really hear the heavy rock psych rock kind of influence that for a moment this but, is the direction jason hoover was going in the the funky rock psych rock kind of direction it's exciting stuff let's check it out i'm david you're listening to african rhythms we're here on citr 101.9 fm citr.ca tune in or and uh, check out my podcasts it's wonderful
Another incredible local track, Trials of Jason Hoover. That was Jason's band in uh, the early 70s and Freedom Train. We are all people. Great, yes. great songs. Whoa. Thank you, yeah. thank you, man. Especially because I wrote them. You know, I I, I really appreciate it. So uh, I tried hard. Yeah, well, Freedom Train. So that I imagine was a bit of a hit. I mean, it's very uh, it's accessible. It know? was a song that was brought up by this fellow in 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 Los Angeles that brought up uh, We Are Happy. It's same people, but this time mm. we got. A producer. Now I've been doing all the producing for everything before uh, Freedom Train, mm. and he was our first producer. Right. So I learned a lot from him. You know, I learned how to handle people now uh, instead of you know begging and pleading. I knew how now to handle. Hmm. Yeah, the sound is getting you know slicker, more sophisticated. Yes, but yeah, you I'm went many, you went yeah, <laughs> you went um, many directions. I mean, it's um, you know to archive it all. It's hard. You know, there's a lot of stuff you were doing. I mean, you know, for a short while, like the heavy rock nature of uh, Rust to Dust, Holy Moly, and then the next minute, Freedom Train. Sixty Minute Man really yeah. was the one. Yeah, that that shook that, them that's up. what's uh, coming up uh, next. Sixty Minute Man. Like wow, you know, like just what incredible uh, Vancouver history and just. 
what a tragedy um, it's not better known in Canada or even just in North America I mean take music colleges like the British to really yeah. Led Zeppelin stole my original first copy is not to be sold you know before the pressing uh, they took it away they took it away man it took uh. they thought it was something else man yeah. so well, did uh, so did Burton Cummings and the and the management from uh, his his management Burton Cummings from the Guess Who he yeah. they all loved this tune man they was say what is happening why you know wow yeah this well is, I mean David talk. our friend in the studio here uh, David George um, he's brought up an important point about uh, your diversity and how in some respects it made you made other people at times jealous competitive and exploitive of your talents really well that's sad to hear because all I wanted to do was sing and entertain mm. I, I never judged anybody else who was in the music business I just smiled and said you know go on and do it because that's yeah. where I was at I, 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 I didn't have time for politics or calling names or even making uh, what what I thought about everybody else mm. it, it was I was you were doing it for the right I had, reasons. I had tunnel vision. And, yeah. And that was it. But uh, David, tell us, I know that you've been documenting local black culture because maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that. I feel like I'm stepping in on oh, no, not at Jason's all. time here, but yeah. no, just, no. just very quickly, when I first started art projects, I noticed that there was no documentation mm. on people of color creativity I mm. couldn't find any anyways absolutely so from the very first group exhibit I made sure that there was always documentation from the minute the presentation started till the end mm. and that started in 1992 and throughout the 90s we had all this f footage finally I have been able to transfer all the analog material onto digital disc mm. Wonderful. I've got a couple of rough edits and you've just thrown a spanner in the works by sh yeah. <laughs> finding Jason. Yeah, no, well, I mean, that, that's wonderful that you're documenting local black culture because absolutely, like, it has not, you know, it's incredible injustice and not enough things like this um, are going on. And there's so much rich histories, as you can see, just, you know, one artist and one experience here in local Vancouver scene and just what an incredible rich history, like unbelievable. I mean, even just sitting here talking to him, just the depth of it and length and breadth of depth of it are profound, really. Like, it's, well, it's, 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 it's rather overwhelming. As I'm listening to the music, wow. I couldn't help but reflect on what were the visuals like then mm. and i'm sure we're gonna find some all right yeah. you've got material from the 1966 65 uh, tv show that was here oh right yeah here. i've got all that stuff yeah, yeah. where you're that, doing uh, i've the got live tv shows i got yeah. that you would really love to see that, that's yeah perfect. so yeah i mean we're going to i, I, we're I gonna sincerely hope we work together you know as a community and that's what it's all about really so that's the way i thought yeah but so siobhan yeah siobhan siobhan yeah fantastic she's like the local version of Maya Angelou like she's just an incredible spoken word artist and we're absolutely going to do, do a show when I come back on the air in December yeah very um, very powerful yeah you know she's just um, and I know that you know some other talents we're definitely going to get into all of that later my friend yeah well just very briefly th mm. the goal is short term is to present an art exhibit and part of that exhibit includes some stills mm. and briefs from the documentation. Mm. 
Well, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, I, I really look forward to doing the show with you and expanding on this whole thing. Whatever way that I can help you or work with you, I'm more than happy. Thank you for the support. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you very much. That's uh, David George, our local... Uh, Visual expressionist. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exploring the arts yeah. and I like to use different mediums, mm. but to to define my my work visual expressionist that, covers it quite that, nicely that sounds great well yeah. i look forward to learning more about that well let's um let's get back to your music jason and this is uh, 60 minute man uh, tell us a little bit about what year is it 72 yeah it's either end of 71 or 72 but i do know it was right close after we did the concert open for uh led zeppelin at the pacific coliseum we opened for soft machine and led zeppelin led zeppelin came to us I didn't go there. I wasn't grouping them. They grouped me. And they wanted, they said, you are fine, man. You guys are great. We thought we did horrible. They, they said, man, you guys are ass kickers. Oh, come on. We got it. We got to meet you guys. You guys come to our hotel. We're staying at the Georgia. And, you know, just tell them, you know, they, they bought the whole floor out. Are you ready? I mean, there's only four guys in the band. They bought the whole four out. Decadent rock 70s bands. <laughs> yeah, well, here it is. Jason Hoover and 60 Minute Men. Yeah.
Ladies and gentlemen, is my guest <laughs> for the whole evening tonight. The history of local Vancouver soul music, Jason Hoover. We're now into unreleased tracks that have never been heard by anybody. That's Captain Bobby Spark, complete with a funky drum break. That's right. Tell us about that one, buddy. What That's happened to that Captain track? Bobby Stout. Well, I was in New York and, and in Quebec. I was picking up on these songs. I did these are covers for other songs, and they didn't make it. But ours were very interesting. People that heard our version of it is completely different. Matter of fact, if you heard the original version, you wouldn't believe that it was the same song. But that was Captain Bobby. Bobby Stout, they found he done found me out. And I <laughs> owe the man one more yeah. And he says, I owe the man one more yeah. And he says, Brother, why are you here? Brother, why are you here? Ooh, Captain Bobby Stout don't find me now. And I owe the man another year. <laughs> Said I owe the man another year. <laughs> that is 
That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. That was great. Yeah, well, listen, we got another unreleased one. Martha's Madman. What's oh, this one all about? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. This story is about, about a woman who thought she had a life to last forever and, and bumped into the wrong character. And it was his, her madman. She thought that she was in love with this man. This man was out to kill her. And uh, that's what the lyrics about. Listen very carefully. Very tough. Wow. The world has uh, never heard this track exclusive here on African Rhythms. Yes. This is Jason Hoover, Martha's Madman. a madman standing hidden in the shadows with a long curved Turkish dagger and a bejeweled hat and a hand that the world is Unreleased, Jason Hoover. Thanks to Rob at Neptune. You are incredible, Rob. You, you hooked me up with every Jason Hoover track related. You had them all. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, big up to Neptune Records for putting out uh, Live at the Grooveyard or re-releasing it as well. But we're going out. Our, our last two tracks are going to be from your Mushroom, your one and only album. Yes, uh, some of the musicians were from L.A., King Erickson. So there was a connection between Mushroom Studios and L.A. Yeah, well, we and, went down there to make sure we had the best musicians possible mm. everywhere. And then there isn't a hole. It's like having a hockey team that's uh, it's got us best players on the ice, and that's what we had in this album. Yeah, well, the, both of these tracks are internationally known, shall we say? Oh um, yeah, they're both uh, "Sing with Soul" and "Show Me Some Slack." "Sing um, with Soul," I, I wrote that. 
I know this 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 is a great track list. And, and show me some slack. I wrote that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, your your talents has not been documented enough. I hope uh, this show goes, you know, some way into people out there in the world finding out about you or more oh. people finding out. And yeah, we've got to get some of this stuff out. I love I release love a forty five again. Yeah, no, I really hope we can do that, my friend. Once oh, again, yeah. Jason Hoover from his one and only Mushroom Records album from the... What year is this from? Uh, we're talking 1974. When I was a young man, I was raised in the Lower East Side of this city. And I learned many things. You can say I got my schooling here, understand? You see, I used to work at my daddy's bar, dear. And here is where I learned the most important thing. So, you know what I mean? So, Jack, daddy's bar wasn't much, but it was very, very funky. Now let me tell you about it I can remember it just like yesterday When Georgia Sam, the local man Pulled up in his long, long pink Cadillac And sometimes he would bring in a couple of girls He'd been working late that night The soulful women the women who knows how to love Cause they make their living at it When these girls was feeling down They go out to the back room And start clapping their hands And singing, carrying it on And I thought Now what kind of a song Could make these women happy When they were feeling so blue so one night I went out to the back room and I asked one of the girls. She just looked at me and said, Son, it don't matter what you sing as long as you sing with soul. never forgotten and a feeling I carry with me all the time cause it's a cold wicked world we live in and you know how it feels when things ain't going for the best and the blues done got you down so when I feel myself in this situation I think what these soulful women taught me and that was So I got my baby. 
We're talking Mushroom Records, Vancouver. Same label that was putting out Dreamboat Annie Hart, was putting out Jason Hoover in 74. And, and Jerry Doucette. And Jerry Doucette, yeah. indeed. <laughs> Local Canadian legendary stories. Big up to them, at least, for putting out your album and trying to get you to a bigger audience. It was it the music business. It's, it's a terrible business. There's... You've had some fun with it, though. I had fun with it, but yeah. it blew my mind and yeah. when I went down to Los Angeles because I was up in, in in home with Mushroom, and I was talking to the executives there. They said that they're you know they're still just in Canada. I walk into Tower Music just off Sunset, and there's a big picture of me, like the you know the album cover. It's actually me, and the and the snake, wow. and the tree, and the little apples everywhere, and I'm blown away. It's a very unusual cover. Now, tell now, us the story of the cover. The story of the cover for the Mushroom Records album. Yes, it was done by one of the greatest uh, newspaper uh, photographers ever, who's no longer with us. With the, it's with the dearly departed. I would just like to say that uh, they lie a lot in the in the music business. I mean, yeah. I, my record was sold. People were phoning me from Milwaukee, and Chicago, my relatives, saying, "Oh man, I love your album, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I love it." But they were. We had them investigate. I had one of the best entertainment order uh, lawyers possible. He's dead now too. But, anyways, to make a story short, he didn't find. He, they, we couldn't find the proof. Hmm. Couldn't find the proof. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's sad uh, that that it, it didn't achieve the level of success. But at least, you know, at least internationally, this next track that we're going to go out with, uh, "Show Me Some Slack," which, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, and this is a compliment, Willie Hutch at his best and most soulful sounds as great but you know this is your own composition did you play guitar on this track no I didn't you know the guitar player from Heart Dead the same studio oh yeah we're just, well yeah I needed a guitar player who was the best well the dude was. was really good like, oh, this yeah. is amazing guitar playing yeah, this is, is an amazing track and it's known internationally yeah. I wanted to make it sound it is known internationally it really is uh, it was one of the t- the hits that weren't a hit you know our hits were She's My Lady Love Will Get You along with Riding the Disco yeah, Riding I hit this, but this is a late comer. This this was a late bloomer. This show me some slack. It just because people have finally gone into listening to because other it's tunes. quality. You know the quality has lasted. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that the same as the yeah. last song, "Sing with Soul." The quality has lasted. You oh, know? there you go. Yeah, I mean it's a fantastic album, and you know what? The quality has lasted with all of the stuff we played tonight, and I think David George would agree. I mean this the the, the this material is phenomenal. You know, this through your whole career. Thank you very much, David, for yeah, coming and being a part of this. Come around here. I, I just want to tell everybody that even though the music industry, after talking to Tommy James, and he told me he wasn't making any money on uh, Clemson and Clover, which was one of the biggest sellers ever on anybody, and he told me the money is being and doing the actual show concert that's where you make your money the record company is just a sign he told me saying buy my records that's it you know but as far as getting any rewards and money you have to have gold records platinum records where you can go in with your lawyer and say we want now he's a gold record or platinum record we want two thousand two hundred at least at least two hundred thousand dollars for his living and uh, the other eight hundred thousand i want for him to continue recording 
Yeah. Your career has been diverse. It's had some ups and downs, but you know what? Still today, we can put your records out again, buddies. So we're gonna we're gonna keep on. It'll know? be nice to see the Jason's greatest songs out on the market again. That'd be absolutely, wonderful. buddy. Well, listen, like you said, we're gonna do this again. Thank you so so much for coming all the way from d- way way out in the close to the U.S. border, <laughs> way way out in the far reaches of Surrey, all the way down here to UBC, down to my record shop. You know, we we made that, that community. Something. We got David George involved. We got Rob from Neptune Records involved, Vinyl Records involved. This was a community event in putting together the important history of Jason Hoover. So thank you. Thank you very much, you guys. This means so much to me. You just don't understand. Uh, you know, I've always dreamed this might happen, but now it is. It's, yeah, well, I mean, it, and it won't even be uh, the last time. So absolutely, we're going out with fantastic tracks. Show me some slack. I'm David Love Jones. You've been listening to Jason Hoover. And so peace and love to you, my friend. Oh, back at you. If you want